Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it is that time of the week. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week. It is time for the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. All right, stoked to be here. Matt, I've kept you on your toes. Yeah. And you're going to laugh about this one when you say, What are we talking about? And they say, What you don't know? I don't, but I think it has something to do with that wonderful haircut that you just got. <laughs> it looks <laughs> no, that, great. That's a, thank you. Yeah, the ears are lower, right? Mm-hmm. Now, so we're going to talk today about intention, right? Doing things on purpose, right? This is okay. something that, you know, from a true wealth perspective, we cover lots of different stuff. We talk about the markets, we talk about sometimes politics and what affects them. But today, I want to focus a little bit on intention, the idea of doing things on purpose, right? The reason for this, and what I want to draw a connection for our listeners is the connection between doing things with the plan. Instead of just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Instead of flying by the seat of your pants. There's an old expression that says, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you'll get there. Hmm. Right? You know, and but but the issue is, for a lot of folks, and, and I think this happens in the financial industry a lot. See if see if this story sounds familiar. You go in if you if you've ever interviewed financial professionals, and you start to get sort of a dog and pony show about why the company's smart, all the resources that are available, and why you should work with that company. Kind of the sales pitch. It really is yeah. a sales pitch, and. Then once you you've sort of been wowed by what what this is all about, then you may be even told, well, you need to have a plan, right? Mm-hmm. And what the plan is is the reason for you to buy the thing. So it's almost like maybe you should have started with the plan first. Well, it's not just that; it's kind of like uh, the old expression. Here's another one, right? If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. Right, and so if you, for example, now I'm not picking on somebody. I'm using this to illustrate how this could occur. Right, if somebody sells life insurance, then what they're going to tell you is the reasons you need life insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if somebody's has a specific, you know, we could pick lots of investment companies out there. There are tons of mutual funds out there. They all have names that you'd recognize. These are not recommendations, but let's think about names like maybe Vanguard mm-hmm. or Fidelity or Janus or fill in the blanks for something you've heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, not really. I mean, it's a mutual fund. It's a holding company too, and it's there's interesting things to that one. The point is not whether or not these are good, bad, or otherwise. The the point is that what has been an industry practice for ages, I mean, I'm going to go with decades, has been the story. Why this particular mutual fund is the one for you, because here's the philosophy for how we're going to invest. Here is the story behind it. And you find yourself saying, I agree with that story. I should probably buy that. Mm -hmm. It is a sales method of getting you to a common... Kind of to align with it. Well, yeah, exactly, right? Get to an agreement point, start to say yes to it, and before you know it, you find yourself down the path and saying, well, I guess we'll do this. Mm -hmm. The question is, do you need it? Or do you need to have everything in it? Yeah. Yeah. And the the answer, maybe, 
right? And maybe mm-hmm. you do, right? But that's not the reason that we're asking the question. That's not the intentionality part. The, que- the answer probably is, yeah, you very well may. But why do you need it? And if the answer is because it sounds really good, then I would suggest that's not intentional. That's buying into a sales process. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the thing that I want to talk about today. For you guys listening out there is how do you make decisions with your finances on purpose? Incidentally, those of you listening closely, I'm not going to call this marriage advice, but it could be marriage advice. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the most common reasons that marriages fail is because financial behaviors misalign, right? They like People just don't agree with how to spend money. And that creates tons of friction mm-hmm. because it turns out the they say money can't buy happiness, but if you're broke, it's really hard to be happy no matter what. Okay, right? this lead-in's killing me. I got to know one of them. So you, you've talked about these different things that we can potentially do to act on purpose. Mm-hmm. I want like one example to start the show out with before we end up having to go to okay. a break. So one example can be, especially in a marriage environment, Mm -hmm. agreeing on not even a budget, but spending priorities. That's a good one. Okay. Spending priorities. It's like for some people, it's very important that they have a certain amount in a savings account or they're just not comfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay. For somebody else, that's not important. It's really important that they are getting to do travel. And if they're not scratching that itch, they're going to feel restless and unhappy. Right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle is a way to meet to achieve both of those. It may involve compromise, but how do you get there? On purpose, mm-hmm. right? Because it's unlikely that you'll get there on accident. Organically, just kind of stumbling upon common ground. Yeah, because yeah. the, the reality is that few people in this country, few people on this planet have such abundant financial resources. They, they can afford to be financially negligent and still afford everything, mm-hmm. right? There are probably some people out there, but a lot fewer than you think, right? By the way, witness the lottery winner that's broke in a few years. Even high dollar lottery winners go broke. And often. quickly, like, quickly. hey, you just won $143 million and five yeah. years later, it's gone. Yeah, how did you do that? That was so much money. And the answer is lack of intention or intentionally being an idiot can we call it lottery syndrome like we call it lots of things sure but the lottery syndrome it's that it's the idea that you're not being accountable to what you're doing exactly no reason behind it so this is the whole idea of i want to encourage folks out there take a step back and before you decide that you want to be an investor figure out what is the mission okay now this is really nerdy I, stuff I feel in like this world. There's the opposite side of this coin too though, where some people don't establish the purpose and the why behind it, but some people they'll come in and they'll save so much and they don't have an end game for what they're saving for. Well, you know what I mean? That's totally accurate. It's kind of like the opposite of of what we're talking about at the well, moment. Uh, well, we're going to touch extremes. on this a little bit today, too. We're going to touch on this. We, we're not, not immediately, but I'm going to come back to this point of natural time horizon. Mm-hmm. And so a nat- the natural time horizon for some investors looks different. And 
their perspective of time and how long their investments are going to be working for them alters their behavior naturally. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but not yet. Right? Okay. I want to bring that up in a future segment, but I want to I want to first kind of finish this thought of getting intentional. You know, how do you develop a picture of what you want your future to look like? Right. Mm -hmm. We had a little bit of this conversation yesterday. Yeah. And I was actually pondering it more, you know, mm -hmm. la you know, yesterday evening and even today, my mind was racing because you asked the question like, hey, where do you want to be in five years? And I think my answers were actually kind of weak because I don't know that I had taken the time to actually sit and fully develop it. Right. Like you think about it all the time, but there's a difference between thinking ah. about it and actually putting something on paper and putting something like a plan in place, right. an actionable step. So you step. may dream about it all the sure. time, yeah. but are you thinking about it? Now that sounds semantic, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the expression is dreams are just goals without deadlines. Right. Okay. But they're also goals without a mechanism to make them happen. You know, I used to actually do that. I would write down all of the things that I wanted to accomplish, you know, whether it was financial or whether it was just something personal. And I would often go back, you know, every six months and look at that list. And it would be a refresher because it'd be like, hey, you still haven't accomplished this. Maybe you should work a little bit harder. But then there would be some things on the list where it's like, you know what, that was a priority then, but it's not a priority now. Right. That, by the way, is a really important point, too is you can have goals and so for some reason people think if you write a goal down it's like making a commitment that's unbreakable i think I, it's the opposite okay enlighten that why is it the opposite because i mean goals change right so sure. like it's not concrete it's it's an idea it's you i mean there's a difference between committing to something and having it be in the idea stage all right so we're probably saying the same thing which when you write it down it's committing to intention. Mm, the good news yes. is you can change your mind. Something may not be important to you anymore. Something mm -hmm. else bumps it off the list and it becomes a, a new priority set. A friend of mine talked about how he'd always wanted to sort of like live on a sailboat for like six months. But his wife, that's a horrible idea for her. She's not interested in that at all. And so he said, well, you know, I love my wife. I want it to work out. I need to kind of adapt my vision and priority set. There are other things that it would be great too. Mm -hmm. So if it's not going to be that, I don't have to force her to be miserable to live on a boat with me. Right. Let's find something that we both like. Now, there's an example of intentionally recognizing what should or shouldn't be on the list and then collaborating to uh, you know, come to something together. Right. And yeah, there's some compromise, but maybe it's not bad compromise. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you're out there saying like, no, man, this guy's giving up his dream. I go, I disagree. Right. I think it's just alignment because, you know, design by committee takes more work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you're just going to say, we'll do it my way. and Everybody else can get in line. All right. Well, then you, you can do that. You better hope that everybody that's getting in line really likes your way or you might get lonely. Yeah. Okay? So that's step one. Uh, Matt, you brought up such a good point, though, about, you know, how you used to write stuff down, then you didn't for a while, how we're setting the goals, yep. how you're answering them. I want to talk about, we're going to use the example of, like, farsighted and nearsighted, mm -hmm. okay? What is your natural financial vision, your natural focal point financially, we're going to unpack that and what that means for you as an investor, the things that could be working for you, 
but not for you right after this break. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Well, rant over. We're back. Okay. Okay. All right. Welcome back to the True Well Show. Dave Little John in studio with Matt Dixon. Okay. Grab the podcast if you want to get caught up. Or we're currently live streaming on Facebook and on YouTube. So, hey, gang, good to see you on the live stream. Uh, it'll also be available. We will, you know, republish the live stream so you can watch this if you want to see it. But podcast at, you know, iTunes or wherever you go to grab your favorite podcast. Uh, so, Matt, we've talked at the first segment about how doing things with intention mm-hmm. is really important. Yes. Okay? Uh, one of the things we talked about in that was uh, how people start to approach their finances. And at the break, I wanted to talk about in this segment your where your natural financial focus is. Mm-hmm. You mentioned goals, right? I asked you yeah. about five-year goals, and you, you said, like, well, what do you think, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you, you don't have to share the goals with our listeners, but as you're processing, what are some of the things that come through your mind going like, oh, well, how am I going to think about five years from now? Well, I like to first start with, in my mind, kind of what do I think is really achievable, right? Like what do I feel like I can actually accomplish? And then I like to try and set the bar just a little bit higher and say, okay, well, what's lofty? but not so lofty that it's completely absurd. Like, hey, I want to make $200 million in the next 30 days. That might be a little absurd, right? Right. But, you know, hey, I want to be here doing this at this moment. Is that achievable? And then, you know, try and set almost two goals, one that's a little lofty and one that's very achievable. Okay. And that falls in line with the, the, a lot of the different acronyms like SMART or SMAC or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So they need to be specific and measurable. It needs to be uh, either actionable or achievable, right? That's the right. whole, like it has to be grounded. It can be a stretch, but it needs to be realistic. Uh, and then uh, the R is, I forget, SMART goals, but uh, compatible and uh, is one of them. So it, it needs to be aligned. And yeah. then the last one is uh, SMART. What's the last one? Time bound. Uh, yes. Time bound. So those are all things. That, so, you know, when you're setting goals, you know, they, yeah, they have to be things that you can, you know, they align with your values, your purpose, your mission, fit within a time, and they are realistically achievable. And the realistic is, that's the R in there, right? And smart, mm-hmm. realistic. Realistic just means, you know, again, stretch goal, great. But, you know, don't don't say that, you know, I've got two weeks and I'm, you know, overweight and I need to lose a hundred pounds in two weeks. I'm like, right. that's probably not mechanically possible, mm-hmm. not without like surgical intervention and really extreme stuff. And you're like, well, even then it might kill you. Is that, that's not necessarily realistic. Yeah. So maybe that's not it. Maybe it's, well, I want to lose weight over two years and I want to, you know, commit to losing a pound a week. You lose a hundred pounds in two years. Yeah. Sometimes we skip the time horizon piece too. Yeah. So, and those are longer goals, right? Now you're setting a vision out there for a ways. Mm -hmm. So that, where you set your vision naturally, that is the thing that's really interesting. Lots and lots of studies will confirm that the more naturally long-term your thinking process is, Mm -hmm. the higher the probability that your net worth will be high. Hmm. 
right? People that tend to have limited to no resources at all tend to look at decisions on, you know, a minute by minute or hourly basis. Certainly days are long time horizons. Yeah. Right? I have money in my pocket. I need to do something right now. You know what kind of throws me for a loop? And I might be dragging us into the weeds here a little bit, but I've talked to a handful of people and what I've noticed is some people really struggle with just taking the first step, right? Like I talked to someone and they're like, you know, and they, they talked for a long time and they're like, here's my goal. And they laid it all out and I want to have this huge financial plan and I've been doing all this work. I've been balancing this and balancing that. But, and I said, well, what, what are we really trying to do here? And they said, well, I want to get a retirement started. And my comment back to them was, well, have you started any type of contributions? And the answer was no. And it was right. like, well, that might actually be the first step. Like, can you do $50 a month into this? And like, well, I hadn't really thought about it in that light. And it was, hey, sometimes in order to make a goal actually a reality, you have to take an actionable step. And that's the piece that they miss. They plan and they plan and they plan and they plan. But you sometimes got to just start walking before you can right. run. I mean, how do you how do you eat an elephant? Yeah. A bite at a, a bite time. At a time. That's yeah. it, right? And so that is that is so often the case uh, that but but to the original point, I mean you're right. That that was a person that had a really big vision and then it was taking the first step. And I will just tell people take the next step. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Reverse engineering is the idea, right? The long-term visionary has this end goal in mind, and then they're working backwards to see what steps does it take to get there. Mm -hmm. And that's what intentional planning is all about, is what things must I do to get to the vision. But if you don't have a vision for right. where you're going- Then you're just walking in circles. Well, or you're, you're, you're literally blind, but this is the point, right? Statistically, you're much more likely to be broke because if you don't look out a little ways- It's true. You're likely to just squander the resource. So that's what we see oftentimes. Yep. And people have different natural time horizons. This is the part that slays me personally. I'm somebody that has an obnoxiously long time horizon natively. Mm -hmm. Like 10 to 20 years is normal for me. I'm looking out there going, well, yeah, sometime in the next 10 or 20 years, it'll look like this. And meanwhile, and to my wife's credit, and, and she has plenty of vision. So what she does ground me going, hey, we're setting the table for dinner. I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably do that thing. Right? Mm -hmm. Like that is a do right now. And I'm being a little extreme in this example here. You know, certainly you do the stuff in life that needs to get done, but my natural financial vision is long term. And I'm really good at deferred gratification, right? I mm -hmm. don't have to have it now, it can come later. That's a blessing and a curse. Right? Because you can miss experiences if you're willing to defer them, and then you can get out of the window of opportunity, and then it, that experience doesn't happen. Right. So that's the flip side. It's such a fine balance, isn't it? It is. And, and that just means you need to be really aware of your circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. Situational awareness is so important just to having a balanced life. But if you don't ever look over the horizon, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're staring at your feet, you can walk right into traffic. Yeah. And so there is, so where I, I, my question to, to all of you listening is where is your natural financial focus? Is it very, very short term? Is it longer term? How long? Because what does investing for the long term mean to you? Mm -hmm. Right. 
retirement's usually like, well, 59 and a half or older. Okay, so if you're 30, then that's a long time. And I think by any measure, that's a long time. If you're 58, it's not a long time anymore. But then I ask you, ask you, okay, well, so how long are you going to live after you retire? Because that's part of your time horizon too. But that's not that's a different question, right? Let's not distract from the issue. Your natural focus, that's the one you're going to have to train for. There's good news, right? The good news is just like with your eyeballs, you may have a natural focal point. Like you might be really mm -hmm. nearsighted. Right. Hey, I can read everything, but I look up and it's all blurry out there in the distance. So what do we do? Call a financial advisor <laughs> who can put the glasses on and let you see long term. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you put on glasses, right? Yeah. You correct the vision. And that's part of what you can do with a good plan. Mm -hmm. Right. A good plan is like a pair of glasses. It's going to clarify the vision. Maybe it's here's the things you need to do short term because you're looking so far out. But maybe it's Here's the things you need to start preparing for that are out there, and you need to adapt the short terms to get you somewhere else, right? So, I think that everybody should think of a plan as if you know, hey, I need to, I need to be situationally aware of where I'm headed on this road. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to be able to see right in front of me. That's the gauges, okay? I need to see the bumper in the front, or at least know know where the front of the vehicle is because I don't want to be smashing into stuff. But I also yeah. need to know what the destination is. What slays me is the people that work so hard, right? And like I've seen it. You work so hard, but you never take any type of break to actually stop and look down the road and say, what are those plans? What are those goals? And mm -hmm. you're an amazing worker. You're the best of the best. But like you've been talking about the whole show, if you don't have the vision for the future, what are you working super hard for? And you can kind of just get lost in the work without the vision. Right. And for some people, the work is sport. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, like, I go to work because this is how I measure. Uh, I think there's danger in that long term, right? Because you can either burn out or as your body wears out and you're not capable of doing the work, it can be very depressing. Yeah. When when you have to start transitioning. Scaling it back, yeah. Yeah. And so, there, I, you know, but we're really getting off outside of pure finance into the behavioral finance and the psychology of finance, mm. right? Because let's be honest, all of us have financial baggage, mm. right? Everybody's got financial baggage. It's just, you know, is it advantageous or not? Right. Right. Some people, I, you know, if I'm a natural saver, that's baggage that's advantageous to uh, building up a storehouse, but it's not necessarily advantageous to recognition of experiences in the moment. Okay. So that's an interesting di dichotomy for me personally, where, well, let's go to a concert. And I'm like, I don't know if I really care about the concert. Maybe there'll be another concert later. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's your shot. I mean, concerts are an interesting one to me because I'm like, well, I got to like the artist or I'm not. Okay. That's not what rings the bell for me. Mm -hmm. but that's, you know, it's kind of like, fishing for you or something. Is there any <laughs> musical artist where you would just stop everything to go watch? Stop everything? Yeah, you're just like, you know what? I'm skipping work today. I'm skipping this meeting. I got to see this person in concert. Doubtful. Yeah. Yeah, and and not because I don't think it'd be great, but because uh, I, I have a real high premium on honoring my commitments. So if mm. I had, uh, especially if it was client engagement, I'm yeah. like, well, look, I made a commitment to this person. That's what that means. 
That's so, fair. So that's kind of a different like duty bound around things. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's I, just hardwired in your DNA. Yeah, it really is. It's yeah. obnoxious. Where I'm like, I just want to call in sick and go play hooky and do fun stuff today. But you also really enjoy that. That's like your favorite thing is meeting with clients. I feel like. And oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm. I'm. It's it's ridiculous. I'm so fueled by other people. I'm like the purest extrovert. It's absurd. You would have also been a great doctor. Like, how many patients can I see today? Bring them all in. I want to talk to everyone. I want to make sure they're okay. <laughs> Except I don't know that I could get through that many because I'm like, tell me your story. The story of your people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a fun one. Yeah, COVID was rough because extroverts were like, we're, we're not okay. I, was I Zoom like crushing that. your soul? Still does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm okay with Zoom because you know you've we've all been trained for it. Mm-hmm. But I much prefer to just meet people and yeah. engage and talk and learn, and that's the best. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. We do. All right. So look, we're a little long here. We've talked about the reason for planning. I want to connect the plan to the investment side of things. And as promised previously, we're going to start bringing up a few of our favorites. Several people have provided fantastic financial terms. And we're going to play the game of we're working this out. We're still playing with it. But some people ask, define this term when play that one. Okay. And we're also going to maybe see about uh, which definition is real. Right. So we'll take a term and we'll give you three different definitions. And the question is, which one is real? OK. All right. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Up on News Radio 93.9 FM, 1240 KQES. Gout kid. Yeah. Fallout shelter the whole nine years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon, and we. So you got to know. Uh, you you see it on the the, on live, the live stream. stream back. Yeah. If we'll probably edit out some of it because there's some dead air. But we. So Matt's asking me about can we develop a plan for the end of the world? Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and we so, we talk about it all the time on the show. Like, well, if this happens, then it's really actually just the end of the world. And I'm like, you know, we always get to that spot, but we never talk yeah. about what's what the plan. Do you, okay, so let's just have an in the weeds moment. I'm fine. What with that. do you do for the end of the world? Okay, first mm. of all, tell me what is the end of the world? Well, everyone always defaults to zombies, but I think that's a little far-fetched right like it seems like that's a stretch to like me. i'm envisioning like grocery stores don't have food there was an earthquake maybe there's some type of natural well, disaster it be like an earthquake that takes off like takes off all the everything. bridges yeah like all the so yeah like like there's a global earthquake and every bridge on the planet fails well i mean i just imagine like what if i5 for example like what if all of the road structure was completely toast like roseburg for example we're kind of trapped in here by bridges. Like, what if they were all to fail? Okay. Yeah. So, and say the currency did something crazy, like in Venezuela, where the dollar's not worth anything. Okay. And so we don't have food, and we don't really have a formal currency exchange. So Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That. there I, we go. I mean, this is the the better question to me is, what would it take to get to Mad Max? Yeah, it would take a lot, right? I'm asking. Like, Walk I mean, me through what it would take. 
I think it would have to be a combination of a lot of things, and I think the odds are like point one, like oh oh one. So I will help you. Let's start with a war, some kind on of, our soil. I'm gonna say let's start with a massive electromagnetic pulse of some kind that EMP? destroys all electronics as we know it. An EMP. Okay, EMP we'll start there. We'll start just, there. Just kind of wipes out the vast majority of electronic devices. So your phones are gone. The internet's gone. I mean that right there gone. alone would eliminate. A ton of people from existence, right? Like they've only known the internet yeah, for years. I have no cell phone. Life's not worth going on. Yes, they just collapse. They're done. You take, okay. you took away the McDonald's and the cell phones. It's over with. Okay, but did I take away McDonald's? I don't know. Did you? I mean, the food lasts forever. That doesn't need refrigerated. So <laughs> I don't know that that's. The, the, the point is that how much infrastructure must fail. Mm-hmm. Right. Our transportation is, I think, the biggest piece. Right. Well, so that's clearly a regional concern, right? I've often said that, uh, and, and I'm not suggesting this. I mean, I'm saying this on live radio, so keep in mind I would not, th there's no conspiracy idea behind this, but I've always said that, you know, Portland, Oregon, for example, is like four bridges and a freeway from being an island. Yeah, that's, right? yes. And so uh, a few bridges are lost and a runway or two is lost. And it's the, we're, it's impossible to get food in fast enough to, mm -hmm. to feed everybody. Yep. So Portland becomes a really terrible zone to be in. Mm -hmm. and, and in a matter of days, it's pandemonium. Right. And I think they've even talked about down in L.A. when, you know, it, if or when we get that massive fault movement right the cascadia fall right or whatever and they talk about the distance that it could rip the earth apart i mean that would in essence do the same thing down there where la almost becomes an island mm -hmm. and there's really no good way in or out other than air yeah and yeah. so those are examples though that aren't global right mm -hmm. if if oregon were to fall in the ocean it's a horrible thing for all of us that live in oregon and it's probably going to ultimately affect weather and other stuff, but that's longer range. But we're talking about roughly 4 million people out of 330 million in the country. Mm -hmm. And so does life change because of that? Sure. But does everything stop spinning because of that? That's true. My suspicion is no. Right? And so I, I often ask, like, how bad does it have to get? to have the end of everything as we know it. All utilities stop working, running water stops working, electricity stops working, everything shuts down, uh, everything's toxic, so there's you know there's no potable water, there's, you know, what's it take to get to that? Mm -hmm. And the answer is if we started seeing that cascade where all of those utilities failed, it would get ugly in a real, real hurry. Oh yeah. Uh, but how does that happen? Right. across the entire globe and there's probably somebody out there going well it would be like this and i would say okay so if you can conjure that scenario up in your mind mm -hmm. what's the probability that it's pulled off and and if you say well it exists therefore i prep then i go well okay <laughs> so you'll be the survivor but at what are you what opportunity set are you giving up Mm -hmm. By trading your resources that direction over operating under the perhaps significantly more reasonable concept that even though the things get out of balance, they tend to correct themselves because it's in the best interest of all, interest of all the participants to make it so.
right? Yeah. I think that's pretty like, fair. Like, even mob rule ends up becoming feudal rule, which reorganizes, right? And so if you know feudal systems, the original kings and so forth, it is, you know, the strong protect the weak, the weak pay tribute to the strong, and it reorganizes with a hierarchical governance. Mm-hmm. So that it's just reorganizing the system, okay? So that would be the end of the world scenario. Or you're gone. And if you're gone, it doesn't matter, right? So I've often said statistically, since it's like a point oh really, really hard to calculate that the end of the world occurs, having reasonable preparation for a natural disaster is one thing. Preparing for the end of the world in a nuclear holocaust is another. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, yeah. I'm not taking it off the table. I'm just saying the probability is such that can you do anything about it even if it occurred? I mean, so we did see the pandemonium during the Cold War. I mean, yes. we actually really did see that level of pandemonium. Yep. Well, so it's not new. No, it's not. Right? That's what and, I and I'm also not mocking those that are prepping. Just let me be very, very clear. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm suggesting. I'm not mocking that. I think preparedness is a, a savvy thing to consider. I'm just saying. At what you, cost? Well, at what cost and what kind of odds are you calculating? Mm-hmm. Right? Because if the premium that you pay for the insurance is more expensive than the benefit of the insurance, you're better off allocating the resource somewhere else. Yep. Because you know the 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 self the, the the cost of the insurance is too great, you should bear the risk yourself, right? So mm-hmm. it's really an insurance analysis question, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So I realize we went in the weeds there. You asked, but that's my answer. Is I think that you have to to do sort of an actuarial assessment of the probability of the end of the world, and it's pretty hard to get there. Um, the 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 scarier thought to me is actually global nuclear war where an area like Roseburg is likely to survive, but it's scorched earth everywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's not a primary target. Prevailing winds take things elsewhere for a while. But in a matter of weeks or months, a generally poisoned atmosphere starts to reemerge, and it's pretty cataclysmic. So it's like, oh, that's no good. Bring right? back the cloth diapers. <laughs> yeah. But it, we're talking about where do you find the clean water, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you you know, stave off radiation poison. And why are we talking about this? It's horrible. Well, yeah, here on the True Well Show where we're talking about... Someone better know, leave some good comments on the YouTube channel for Oh, this. my goodness. Uh, so why does this conversation come up on air? Because it's come up in our offices. Uh, you know, it, it is a genuine concern. Yeah, the question it, it is, is, are you accurately assessing the risk and are you accurately applying resources to mitigate said risk? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, if you're right, then you're like, ha-ha, the bet won. But I would also suggest that if you're wrong, ha-ha, you could have had lots more resources and gone to Mexico and played or something and you didn't get to. So there you go. All right. I appreciate that. Segment long. I think we should take a break at this point, (laughs) and uh, we'll come back. What are we going to talk about when we come back? Well, we got financial terms to define for starters. So we got some fun to have. Uh, So home stretch, that, and uh, we will tie it back to your investment portfolio. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the Home Stretch, the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. Matt, yes. They, can fi- uh, they get caught up by doing what? Uh, go to our website, right? Podcast. Yeah. 
now but, YouTube. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel and you can uh, see these uh, if you want to download it later, listen to it, or watch from the studio. You can see uh, Matt needs a haircut. I have a haircut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matt yeah. always needs a haircut. It's true. Even know. when I get a haircut, you're like, Matt, when are you going to get a haircut? It's like, dude, it was yesterday. Yeah. Matt has Matt has this surfer haircut. It's true. It's, he's He's very... Yeah, you're like a surfer, bro. What you'll never know is that I actually have a really high hairline, so if I cut it too short, you're like, are you balding, Matt? And it's like, no, it's always been this way. So you just gotta oh, see, I have an encroaching hairline, so I have to get it cut all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like Eddie Munster. There my, you go. My eyebrows are just going to become a unibrow. I'll have no forehead. It's really a mess. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to tie together the themes of this show really quickly today. The, the first thing we talked about is that – you really, I believe that every investor should be pairing a plan to their investments, right? That there should be a strategic reason that you're doing what you do. Uh, it doesn't, it's not required. I've seen lots of people that just go to work, plunk money into a retirement plan, their employer throws a match in there, and at the end of days, surprise, they have a bunch of money and they never expected it to happen. That's great, but that's a happy accident. I think you should do it on purpose. Okay. Yep. The other thing is, I think that when you have, we talked about your natural financial focus, right? The shorter term your natural tendency is, the more challenging it can be to be financially successful because your vision needs to include longer term. But you can correct for that, right? By being aware of that, you may think short term naturally. You know, hey, I'm just worrying about lunch and then I'll worry about dinner next. I don't need to think about dinner before lunch. Okay, that's fine. Being aware of this is the first step in developing an effective strategy. Write it down. It's okay for your goals to change, but get started somewhere so you know what you're working towards. And if the priorities change, you can always adjust. The last thing is marry this up to your investments in one of a couple of ways, right? This isn't the only way, but I think this is really important. Understand one we talked about. Yeah, we it was not really joking. We talked about the end of the world, but the important thing is, what are the probabilities associated with what we're doing? What are the odds of it being possible? Right. If if your plan requires you to make thirty five percent per year every year, that is an unrealistic plan. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's improbable. So you need to know the probabilities of whether or not it's achievable on the path that you're tracking, and then finally. Ground it in the type of risk that, one, you're okay taking, your comfort with risk, and then, two, the risks required to achieve the outcome, right? If you're really conservative, but you want a really high rate of return, that's likely incompatible with your long-term goal. Because I want a 15% annualized return, but I'm only willing to risk at 3%. Mm -hmm. There's a gap there that's not going to work. So... You want to be aware of both the risk that's needed for your strategy to be successful and the risk that you're naturally comfortable with. As long as you can get into alignment there, you got an opportunity to succeed. But you get any of those variables too far out of whack, and you're breaking one of the SMART rules, right? Specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound. So you break any of those, you're going to have a lot more of a problem being successful. So there's our summary today of investing intentionally and doing it with a plan, having that combination of long-term vision but the short-term actionable items to get there. Okay. All right? Now, 
Let's have a little fun with the. Last I feel few like minutes. you were just like on it so that we could get to this session. I totally want to get to this session. We started this last week. We asked people to go onto our Facebook page and send us financial terms, real or imaginary, and ask us to define them on air. Now it's not well defined how we're going to do this in the future, but I want to bring this back regularly, and we're going to play some games. But today, I think we just have some terms that people threw at us and they're saying just what do you think and we got a lot of them so we'll try and make it through a few of these all right so you, got, you are you going to define some and me are you throwing them at me How i'm going to quiz it? you and if i come up with something better than you then i'll try and one-up you on Hit there. Me. okay all right how about surprise side economics <laughs> surprise side <laughs> yeah. economics take the supply out and throw in surprise surprise side economics yeah uh, i feel like that is every time that the Federal Reserve mm -hmm. has to change their policy language, mm. right? Like, we thought we had it right, but it wasn't right, so surprise. <laughs> so that's surprise side that's, economics. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I kind of see the oil piece in there, like, hey, surprise, we're still not going to change regulations here. We want you to pay more at the <laughs> All right, all right. All right. Um, I like this one, mitigation. Mintigation. Oh, that's brilliant. That's yeah. clearly money printing. Oh yeah, right? it is. That and is I just want to thank the person. Money printing. Can we like coin that? Somebody, Can we steal that? that? that Please don't copyright that. That's another that one of those goes on a t-shirt yeah, thing, isn't it? That's it is. clever. Mintigation is so, clever. Yeah. Who, who gave us that one? Jim. Jim? Yep. Oh, uh, Jim. Um, Daniel. Daniel. Oh, that's good job, Jim. Yeah. Uh, Jim's a, a, a local. Uh, Medicare expert, by the way. So if anybody's Wonderful. in that environment, he's he's a great resource. Yeah, we have to give him a shout out and ask yeah, for copyright that was, privileges that was on that one. Okay, mitigation. Yeah. Okay. Um, inconceivable trust. <laughs> An inconceivable trust. Who gave us that one? That was Evan. Oh, brilliant! Evan Cruz, my favorite farmer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so an inconceivable trust. Uh, he also gave us Valentine's Law of Economic Distribution. <laughs> Okay, Just well, shooting arrows. Okay. We got to do two. So okay. the first one, um, inconceivable trust. An inconceivable trust. Uh, yeah, that's the fictional trust that rich people have, so they don't pay taxes. Oh. Okay. Right? Like, oh, you know, those wealthy people that don't pay any taxes, they just put it in a trust. So that's an inconceivable trust. Okay, Evan, that was well played. I. I love that one. My I'm mind was just all one. over Princess Bride, and I just couldn't. Oh, no, it totally is, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, you yeah. can just see Vincini right now. Yeah. It's like, wait, you're not paying any taxes? Inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> great. Evan, you're a, you're a poet with words. Okay. Um, oh, As opposed to a poet with numbers? Yeah. Paint? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no paint. He just prints poet these words. grass seed? <laughs> uh, we digress. Um do we want to skip Valentine's Law of oh, Economics? Valentine's Law of Economics has to be that um, the less money you have in your wallet, the closer to Valentine's Day it actually is. <laughs> like, oh, I, I am behind the power curve and also without resources. Of course. Ah, uh, I like that. Okay. Um, this is might be my favorite one. I'm just going to jump right to it. This one I've been waiting to use towards the end of the show. Okay. So, Intropreneur. Intropreneur? Yes. Oh, not an entrepreneur. Intropreneur. So we have intrapreneur in our office, like, but not intropreneur, mm. right? So because the intrapreneur is the person that works inside of your organization, but 
treats it like their own and is looking for opportunities to make it better, right? That's the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit is how can I be not only a great team player, but make the business better, okay? Uh, and, and there may be self-serving in that, by the way. I want a better outcome, but that's that's the intrapreneur. The intropreneur? Yeah. I feel like uh, this is the like the person that's involved exclusively with internal marketing for an organization. Okay. Right? So their job is exclusively to make those stupid training videos that nobody wants to watch. That's an intrapreneur. Do we have time for one more? Uh, yeah, we got about 30 seconds. Okay. How about squirrel market? Squirrel market. <laughs> squirrel market. That's, I uh, feel like that's uh, kind of like our call today. It's like everyone's just out there trying to gather what they can before you know that's funny squirrel market what is that the the big run-up in the stock market before a bear market collapse yeah all the squirrels (laughs) are out there just trying to gather whatever they can because they know lemming market but less organized Uh (laughs) i don't know squirrel markets uh, it's funny and then i think of phineas and ferb and they have this silly Mm. song about squirrels in your pants you can that it's funny if you you don't don't go in the wrong spot there it's funny (laughs) Don't Google that. <laughs> no, you can totally Google it. It's safe. You'll get the song on YouTube. Okay. It's hilarious. Okay. So, look. All right. Thankfully, the music has saved us. We're out of time. All right. If you have genuine financial questions, Matt, how do they reach us? 541-375-0898. All right. Also, check out info at littlejohnfs.com if you need to email us or go to the website, littlejohnfs. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.